Los que mueren por la vida no pueden llamarse muertos. Y a partir de este momento es prohibido llorarlos. Compañero Hugo Chávez, presente, la revolución bolivariana, presente, let's go. Yo en Caracas, el proceso va para adelante. En el Chicago, el proceso va para adelante. Yo en el South Bronx, el proceso va para adelante. It goes worldwide, el proceso va para adelante. I can't front, I'm upset that they took our building. Next thing, the comandante, man, I know they killed them. Something going on, I gotta read the signs. Something telling me that it's about that time. Time to step it up, cause I still smell sulfur Still smell the money in this capitalist culture I'm dedicating verses to my boy Jamil He out there in Venezuela, front line is real Hunts Point, New York, 2005 That's when I realized the revolution's so alive We ain't never had a president come around mine He brought oil for the poor in the winter time He showed love to the Bronx, that's called solidarity We show love back, ain't no politician scaring me Anti-imperialist, till I go delirious The work is getting serious, that's why they keep fearing us Mathematics, Hugo Chavez was the baddest. I gotta work like Chavez. Do the mathematics, Hugo Chavez was the baddest. I gotta work like Chavez. And in Chicago, you're in the South Bronx. Forward, this movement ain't defeated. La lucha sigue. Dentro de todos esa rebeldía existe. La CIA comete crimen. Igual las ideas viven. Aquí el pueblo decide. No lo que los medios dicen. Quieren parar una cultura alternativa. Fíjate desde el Bronx hasta América Latina. Capitalistas van, capitalistas vienen. Buscan tus bienes. Quieren hacer lo que quieren. Ahora decimos no, no al imperialismo, neoliberalismo. Los bancos, los ricos. Ni un millonario. Chávez fue solidario. Ni Bush ni Obama llegaron a ayudarnos No lo olvidamos más que venezolano Esto cruza fronteras, hijo bolivariano América unida, como creamos ese frente Solidaridad por todo el continente Do the mathematics, Hugo Chavez was the baddest I gotta work like Chavez Do the mathematics, Hugo Chavez was the baddest I gotta work like Chavez Yo en Caracas, el proceso va para adelante En el Chicago, el proceso va para adelante Yo en el South Bronx What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Barbarian Noetics podcast. I'm Conan Tanner, and this is another special little uh, mini-sode core quarantine quartent bonus episode for y'all. And uh, basically, to cut to the chase, I'm smoking weed and reading the revelations, and uh, it's a it's a good combination. So let's get this party started, shall we? Alright y'all, it's a good thing I have my pop filter on because I just blew smoke directly into the mic. That should be like a, some sort of avant-garde audio project. It's blowing smoke into the mic for hours, trying to detect the faint vacillations of the frequency. So on my bike ride home today, I was thinking about, uh, for some reason, this just popped in my mind, the whole thing that in the Bible, in Genesis, it says, and I brought up the exact quote, it says that we, that mankind has dominion over the animals of earth. Let's see. This is what it says. 
Genesis 1.26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Every creeping thing that be creeping, Crenshaw. Um, then Genesis 28 through 30 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Well, we've definitely done that. Check and check. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's very, like, specific and persistent about that. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. That's interesting. So God points out that... Um, he gave the herbs and the, and the fruits for humans, but he also gave them for everything, for all the, all the animals. So that's, this is a nice, like, egalitarian gesture from the uh, Genesis's New Testament. God, that's so embarrassing that I... Old Testament, right? The God in Genesis showing some egalitarian uh, tendencies there. But, um, so I was thinking about that idea and just, like, how pervasive sort of like the Christian ethic ethos is in our whole society including like the levers of power and how for the past 20 years really there's been like this slow speaking of creep there's been a slow creep of like old school Reaganite hardcore believer evangelical end timers who have like kind of elevated themselves to really like uh substantial like positions in the government and shit like mike pence for example he's like a real believer mike pompeo is a real believer and so like you know and i've had people in my own extended family be like when i tried to be vegetarian the first time i'm no longer vegetarian i eat fish and eggs but i try to eat well i only eat pasture raised eggs and then i try to only eat completely not threatened fish like sardines anyways um when i was younger i went like full-on vegetarian and some people in my extended family would tell me it was a phase and they would say that we don't have to worry about the animals because it says in the bible that we have dominion over let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So I was thinking about just sort of like the the incredibly far-reaching psychological influence of Christianity on this like manifest destiny and the building of you know the 13 colonies and then and then conquering the entire continent to now being a global imperial power and how that's all infused with this idea all these Christian ideas. So the United States, I think, has something like 150 US like bases, or it has military bases in 150 countries, something around that. 
and there's special secret operations happening in like over a hundred countries and the US is basically like if you don't play ball with with American corporations you get treated really poorly really crippling sanctions all sorts of stuff and I was thinking about how it's sort of this idea that the rest of the world and other countries what Trump calls shithole countries that they are like the animals like they are like the fish of the sea birds of the air and that we the American Empire has rightful God-given dominion over this so it's like I feel like you know nation states other countries other peoples are being subconsciously treated uh, in that same manner of like just paternal feeling like we have dominion over feeling like we can police the world and I think there might be some parallels there then the book of revelation y'all holy shitballs um, I don't know what like compelled me to start reading it tonight but I just did and I had not so let me just read you guys a little bit this is like the very beginning of revelation um, what is it John's quote cover letter and it's like the last the 18 all right I'm gonna start at verse 12 and then go to verse 20 okay I have this like very beginning part John's cover letter of the revelations this is trippy as fuck <clears throat> I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. And then finally it ends. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So, this, like this kind of blew my mind like the the symbology is so specific lampstands and then the seven there's this thing with like the right hand and then saying that the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches so the seven angels the seven 
the angels of the seven churches or the seven angels of the seven churches i think are the archangels and there are seven archangels there's the four principal archangels for the four directions but then there's three more the seven archangels uriel raphael raguel michael suriel gabriel and fanuel so seven um seven archangels and then the seven lampstands are the seven churches and i was thinking what could he possibly mean by this the lampstands it's such a specific symbol so immediately what popped in my mind is the seven chakras that that go up and down the body that folks have been talking about for thousands and thousands of years and why not would that why wouldn't that be represented in this passage this revelatory passage at the end of this holy book of a desert religion that came from the middle east um why would it not incorporate some sort of allusion to the seven chakras so then if my theory is correct then that means that each archangel in addition to the four primary directions and to be honest with you guys i don't know what the other three what they signify direction wise but what if each archangel corresponds to one of the chakras and if you know the order you can kind of like pray through that way so you're praying through your energy centers to these other energy centers which are kind of like condensed made manifest with the idea of the archangels and that might be really powerful so um yeah that's all i had to say about that all right peace y'all no me represent no me representas no yo me represent yo me represento hoy vamos a darle movimiento en mi palabra el universo me represento yo no me represent no me representas no yo me represent yo me represento hoy vamos a darle movimiento en mi palabra el universo no me representa, no necesito de un hombre pa' que me tomen en cuenta Porque mi voz con el viento se conecta Haciendo poesía declaro mi independencia Unión combativa que con canto me libera Palabra que con el todo le inyecta Es la energía que fluye en el cuerpo Pensamientos ancestrales alimentan mi sustento Por eso ser parte del movimiento que marea desafía Encanto normado desafina en sociedad mezquina Al borde del colapso y se avecina Justicia tardía, mucho cuidado en la esquina, hija Que allá afuera la cosa está que arde Hay mucho macho bien vestido de cobarde No, no, no No me represent, no me representas, no Yo me represent, yo me represento hoy Vamos a darle movimiento En mi palabra y universo me represento yo No me represent, no me representas, no Yo me represent me represento hoy, vamos a darle movimiento en mi palabra y universo. Insolencia que es fuerte como roble, es atroz que el sistema nos desborde. Sálvese quien no soporte, pisotearse hizo un deporte. Sexo débil me llamaron. We'll get right back to this episode of Barbarian Noetics, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode of Barbarian Noetics is brought to you by 
Landlord P.I. My name is Lance Hatchet Man Bob, retired Navy SEAL. Let's face it, tenants are lazy. In this time of crisis, too many lazy poor people are going to try to game the system. We at Landlord P.I. understand the real victims of this pandemic are landlords. Sure, they have a mortgage payment moratorium, well earned, while renters still have to pony up, but that's just desserts for poor people too lazy to own property. I smoked Osama bin Laden out of his cave while he was a doddering old fool watching grainy 80s pern perm porn on VHS. Loser. I jack off to HD like a true American. Landlord P.I. is a network of private investigators who will ensure your tenants who claim economic hardship are actually experiencing hardship. Too many damn SJW snowflakes in this country. Landlord P.I. aims to reduce their number. At Landlord P.I., our motto is, if there's a fridge in the apartment, pay up on the first. Landlord P.I. specializes in discovering creative ways to evict deadbeat tenants. For just $29.99 a month with a one-year contract, one of our trained class warriors will dedicate himself to making sure your tenants know their place in our stratified hierarchical society that works. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, and for that, you deserve to get paid while enjoying a well-earned mortgage moratorium. Landlord P.I., pandemic or no, keeping the poor humble since 2014. All right, thanks so much to uh, Lance Hatchet Man Bob and Landlord P.I. for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And uh, now let's get back to it. Del sistema que te vendieron y tú asumiste Ya deja de bloquear, sentimiento natural Ese es el cambio radical No me representas, no me representas, no Yo me represento, yo me represento hoy Vamos a darle un movimiento En mi palabra y universo me represento yo No me representas, no me representas, no Yo me represento, yo me represento hoy Vamos a darle un movimiento En mi palabra y universo What's up, beautiful people? So um, I'm just going to go through a few things that I've written down. So what I do is I go on bike rides, as you all know. Uh, lately, I've been going on like four or five bicycle rides a day because uh, there's not much else I'm doing, <laughs> not much else I can do when I'm not working. And so when I'm bicycling, I have thoughts, and then those thoughts, I either record them my voice or I like write them down real quick and they become segments for the pod. So I have all these like little things written down so we're just gonna go through them because uh, I'm gonna continue to have thoughts so I gotta, I gotta keep the flow, I gotta keep the output so the input can continue. Um, I have written down here, so I already did my thing about 
the dominion over the plants and the animals and how it informs American foreign policy and just kind of like the overall um, just like devastation that Christianity has wrought on the world is pretty staggering and I'm not saying that to be a hater like I completely I actually love like I personally I, th I believe that Jesus existed and I love the gospel and I think he was a great man uh, who had a really good message of love and also social civil disobedience like he wasn't a pushover at all he was he'd throw down tip over the t uh, tables in the temple and tell people to fuck off wouldn't say that but you know but the the devastation and kind of this like and you can see it in, in the old testament god is very vicious patriarchal paternal jealous god uh who's always like threatening to threatening violence against people like that's what the old testament does is like my way or f violence like i'm gonna fuck you up i'm gonna kill your like family like it's really twisted and uh so you know the coup that just happened in bolivia uh when evo morales was um basically ousted by the military in a cia state department back coup the woman who was installed as the quote-unquote interim president had a big bible with her and she like slammed it down on the presidential desk and said pachamama will no longer be in the presidential palace pachamama being like the, the great mother earth spirit of the indigenous people and bolivia is anywhere between 40 percent and 60 percent indigenous and um she had her big bible and she said the bible now is back in the presidential palace and the police in um so shoot i'm gonna mess up the names but there's la paz and el alto i believe and la paz is where mostly more like upper crust upper class and more like people who frankly are racist against the indigenous people live and then el, el alto is above la paz and i'm sorry if i'm mixing those up to my bolivian listeners out there forgive me but El Alto is the primarily indigenous um, area of the city, and um, there's a lot of like labor union, labor strength there, and and really like strong like socialist um, like demographics and blocks, power blocks, and MAS, the movement towards socialism, something like that, is the Evo Morales's party, and um, so the police in La Paz, since Morales. Was when, when he became elected, he wanted to really like represent like his people, his the indigenous folks who so often get you know kind of like the short end of the stick in global capitalism. He wanted to really like, and he did. His his poverty programs were incredibly successful, um, and so he had the police put there. There's like an indigenous, and I'm I really should know this off the top of my head, but there's this specific group, indigenous group. I want to say Imer. Um, I apologize for messing it up. But anyway, they have like their own flag, and then there's the Bolivian flag. And so the police were wearing both the indigenous flag and the Bolivian flag on their uniform. And then right after this coup, and this crazy lady with the Bible, who by the way had tweeted like that indigenous people were satanic and that she was going to put an end to their satanic rituals and stuff. And again, that's just like toxic christianity that's a, that's really what we should call it there's toxic masculinity and there's toxic christianity and this is toxic and, it, and it's 
unfortunately like really sad and brutal and there's like the 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 government that took over is right wing and they are executing violence against the indigenous people like as we speak so um yeah just like prayers and good vibes out there to our bolivian brothers and sisters specifically the indigenous bolivians and have faith and i'm with you in solidarity and spirit and um yeah anyways uh that was a little bit of a tangent on what i was going to talk about but i think it's just important to like think about just how destructive toxic christianity has been around the world and how it's used actually seems to be used as like this analog to fascist states oftentimes uh which is you know we should think about that and what the implications are that of and then of course the largest uh, organization of pedophiles in the world is the Catholic Church, you know? So I've said this a billion times and I'll say it a billion times more. We need to destroy, expropriate the Vatican globally, like a, the, a global force, and then we need to distribute all the resources, the stolen resources of the Vatican to the working people of the world. Then we uh, basically demote the priests to like a secondary role in within the church and we elevate the nuns to be like the, the administrative the governance of the catholic church so destroy the vatican redistribute the wealth of the vatican to the working people of the world uh demote all the priests i know there are some good priests i've actually met like some really awesome catholic priests like i know that there are good ones but it's just way too many uh pedophiles you know like that's not it's just not cool like we can't we can't abide by that anymore like this moving pedophiles around so they don't have to meet justice like i'm not a huge uh, death penalty guy and i'm not like a huge punitive guy but like at that point you kind of you fucked up i mean i you know i know it's like re re repeat repetitions of trauma and stuff like that and, and the reason why people abuse others but a friend of mine said something i really it like struck close to home i was talking about cycles of abuse and stuff and she was like no fuck that that's no excuse and i was like i like that attitude i mean it's good to have compassion for people you know let's say physical violence people who are abused physically as a child that they grow up and become an abuser um and it's good to like have compassion recognize that that is like their pain coming out but also like you're right like yeah that is no excuse you, there's no excuse there's enough people who have broken that cycle that 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 should be the expectation and people should be held to that expectation so anyways demote all the priests including the good ones sorry guys you guys get secondary role pushing you can push papers or something i don't know work at food banks the priests go work at food banks but they're not in charge of the food banks they just work at the food banks they are the grunts and then the nuns take over the governance of the catholic church boom problem solved all right next thing i got here I just wrote reality is dreamlike and that this is a moment of flux and it's a moment of opportunity and I don't really have too much to add to that other than I feel it every day I feel it like I'm walking in a dream and I feel like our thoughts are really potent and powerful during this time and our connection to the angelic realm and our ability to manifest so now is the time to manifest utopia and utopia is 100% possible it doesn't 
we should use another word. We should get another word for it because I feel like utopia has been branded as like this quixotic thing, silly, silly to think about utopia, but just like a sane, just egalitarian society where everyone's needs are taken care of and we can actually blossom and bloom as a human people, like that's not some outlandish quixotic idea at all. And now is the time to really like bring that into existence, bring that idea, bring that reality into existence. I think it starts with realizing our power as workers and seeing this moment like, you know, when everyone stops going to work, in this instance we are ordered to, most people are ordered to, you know, or work from home or the essential folks, but everyone else is ordered to not work for the public health. But when this happens, like, the, the economy grinds to a halt and the global economy has ground to a halt. So I hope all the workers are realizing like, wow, we actually have a lot of power. It's our power. This is our world. The elites, the, the managers, the CEOs, um, they are not the ones producing. So they have, you know, not to get too like Marxist right now, but they have the means, they have the, they own the means of production, but they are not the actual means of production. So now is the time to really bring into existence in the thought realm what a more just egalitarian world looks like in the nitty-gritty details of that. Then I was thinking, I wrote, cycling through crises, lava versus hurricane versus pandemic. So on the big island of Hawaii, I lived there for four years, and there were four, or two, sorry, <laughs> lived there for four years. There were two major disasters that I lived through when I was there. One was uh, Hurricane, Hurricane Izel, and um, which was, uh, I think we, I was like 10 miles from the eye of the storm, and it was quote-unquote only a category one, but was I ever blown away by the sheer destructive power of that Category 1 hurricane. It was insane. Um, so I, I've lived through that and the aftermath of that, like all of the Pune district where I lived was just wrecked. I mean, it was there were these huge, big, tall Albizia trees, and um, they were just like strewn across the road. Like you could not get through the road. It was, it was pretty astounding. And then the, la the lava flow, which never actually ended up taking over the little town. When I was there, it didn't end up actually going into the town of Pahoa, but it was had moved like 20 miles from the mouth of Mount Kilauea directly towards the town. And there had been all these like town halls and stuff. And it was a slow moving disaster, similar to the pandemic in that regard, that it was like this really slow moving thing. And every day, like you could feel it, that the intensity would be a little bit higher. And you could actually see like the burning forest, like where the, the lava, the tongue of the lava was reaching towards the town. You could see it in the distance, get closer and closer. And it ended up stalling out right at the edge of the outermost building of the town, which was a recycling center. And it just stopped right at the fence line which was really astounding. But um, for, so that was like a long drawn out thing. And, and there was all these, like people were worried that folks were gonna get cut off from Hilo, which is like where all the supplies are and stuff. So the National Guard came and there were guardsmen for like, it seemed, I mean, it seemed like it was a month. Maybe it was only, three, no, I think it was like a month. So I'd be like, I'm always on my bicycle. It's just like what I do to stay sane. And so during the lava thing, I was on my bicycle too every day, biking through Pune district. And, and the only other people I would see on the road as it, the lava got closer and closer were the National Guard's uh, trucks, their Humvees. Because tons and tons of people had either left to go back to the mainland or gone to another island or just like it was really emptied out. And it was just 
felt like me and the National Guards people, and I would shoot them a shaka, and they were really sweet. And, and, uh, but, and then Acupuncturist Without Border came, and they, they performed free acupuncture on us for like the anxiety, which was really sweet. And, um, but yeah, so that just like, and then now I'm, I'm still cycling every day, of course, through the pandemic. And it's just kind of like an interesting sort of like through line to these three disasters that I've lived through and how different they all are. But the feeling of it, almost like this, like electricity in the air. And you can really feel like the kind of general sense of anxiety, like rises and falls. And I felt it especially, especially there was one day where people really panic shopped in Phoenix and like emptied out the Costco. And, and I went kind of like unbeknownst to me, just like went shopping that night because I was like on my way home and stopped in. And it was like the night, like the shelves were completely empty and everyone was like pan panicking, like running around trying to grab what they could. And that was very, very intense for me. And I think partially because my friend and I hotboxed the shit out of her Subaru before we went in the store. So I was in a very uh, sensitive mind state. But yeah, that was very intense. And I just, that really brought it home for me of like how tenuous and fragile our supply chain is. And yeah, so anyways, I got even more stuff on this list, but I'm going to take a break and probably crash out right now because I got to get up hella early in the morning. So. I will, this is going to be another little mini-sode that I will get out here in the next couple days. I uh, love you guys. Bye. Lost in this city of fog, rarely seen by the sun Just cause you're both beneath it doesn't mean that you're none Never captains of the ship, they mistook us for some passengers Now we're stuck here singing soul music from diaspora Your host can't relate to your sense of dislocation Type of pain that cannot be contained in a dissertation The reason that the terrified are setting fires The reason they couldn't jeopardize Zephaniah Considered as a compliment if your beauty is fetishized Your history is power, that's the reason some are petrified Colonial mimic Mascot crying behind a mask Or a man with amnesia trying to find his past Anthony Walker never had a weapon But they still got him Stephen Lawrence never had a weapon But they still got him Mark Duggan never had a weapon But they still shot him They call him first world diaspora problems Don't you wonder what became of the children of diaspora Those that innovated in their ways and their vernacular Those who saw their traces in the faces of the massacred I wonder what became of them Tell me what became of them So Hadid was a child of diaspora so fear not, fear not Edward Said was a child of diaspora So fear not, fear not Never bow to the queen The 
the middle passage, either sink or you swim Bleach the pigment of skin and pray it's privilege trickling in Are we missing a link? Diaspora's the reason MJ did to his nose what they did to the Sphinx And why Marley made the most classic of art The reason Gabby Douglas didn't put her hand on her heart The reason Malcolm Little changed his name to X The reason the president's melanin remains a threat Ahmed made a clock, they arrested him, mangled his name But the root of the word is to thank and to praise Racism manifests in many cancerous ways We must rally for change in these most tragic of days Cause Emmett Till never had a weapon But they still got him Tommy Rice never had a weapon But they still shot him Orton Sterling never had a weapon But they still shot him They call him first world diaspora problems Don't you wonder what became of the children of diaspora Those that innovated in their ways and their vernacular Those that saw their traces in the faces of the massacred I wonder what became of them Tell me what became of them Nina Simone was a child of diaspora So fear not Fear not Franz Fanon was a child of diaspora So fear not Fear not There's no allegiance to the flag, no There's no allegiance to the flag, no There's no allegiance to the flag, no Never, 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 oh, 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 oh.